0: Blood is spilled as the Church of Jesus meets resistance from the Sanhedrin, and things only heat up as Saul is set loose on the believers. On The Bible Brief The Bible Brief is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Check out our website today at BibleLit.org. Saul was looking on with a sense of vindication. Finally, someone was doing something about these disciples of Jesus. Finally, blood was being shed. As stones hit the man, one after another, his body crumpled to the ground, bruised and battered by the projectiles being thrown by the crowd. But despite the violence, Saul thought, it served him right. He had blasphemed the temple and by association he had blasphemed God himself. Slander of the sacred had the sentence of stoning, and so stoning they did." The man apparently knew the law like the rest of them did. He explained much of it in front of the Sanhedrin council, recounting much of the history of Israel in the Torah. He'd spoken of the Abrahamic covenant, the travels of Jacob's family to Egypt, the Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, and he went on to recount the giving of the law at Sinai and that generation's rejection of God's prophet Moses. But then he began to focus his speech on the tabernacle and the temple, the reason he was before the council in the first place, having apparently blasphemed the temple and the law of Moses. He mentioned the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness and the subsequent building of the temple by Solomon in Jerusalem. But then he went where he shouldn't have gone, the man concluded his speech like this. The tabernacle was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. And yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? Then the man addressed the council and said, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels, And did not keep it. The man they called Stephen couldn't have elicited more rage from these elders and learned men. Though he had quoted the scriptures to them, though he had recounted the history of the nation, his final words took that history and placed it in the hands of the men before him. He essentially said to them You would have rejected Joseph, you would have rejected Moses, you would have rejected David and all the prophets. You, you are just like your fathers, always resisting the Holy Spirit. You would have died like them in the wilderness. You, you think you're something because you revere the law. You don't even keep the law you so revere. Saul remembered seeing the eyes of the council members flicker with rage, while the man before them had a shining face, face like that of an angelic messenger from God. The contrast was stark and the room was tense. But then, looking up, Stephen said those words that sealed his fate. Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They knew he was speaking about Jesus, and this, this was blasphemy. Jesus wasn't equivalent with God. He was dead, even if his body was missing. The men then began yelling and covering their ears that they might not hear such blasphemy against God, and they rushed at Stephen, compelling him out of the city where he was stoned to death. And Saul was there, holding the outer coats of the men throwing the stones, and nodding along as Stephen was pummeled until he breathed his last. Serves him right, Saul thought, and more will follow. On the day of Stephen's martyrdom, there arose a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and the believers were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. The church now had an enemy, an enemy in the form of most of the Sanhedrin, and especially one of their servants, the man Saul. These believers, these followers of the way, as they called it, were a uniting force for the Pharisees and Sadducees on the council. And there was no one better but a zealous up-and-coming Pharisee for the task of rooting out this growing virus. This church was a threat, and now that threat would be stifled. And yet, instead of stifling the church, this persecution in Jerusalem only cast the seeds of the movement wider. These believers began to teach in the Jewish areas all around Judea and Samaria, and some even farther out. And these seeds began to sprout in ways unforeseen by these persecutors in Jerusalem. In Samaria, a believer named Philip began to cast out demons and heal those afflicted with diseases, while preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and of Jesus the King. Many came to believe in Messiah and soon the apostles Peter and John came to the area. The new believers received the Holy Spirit, just as the disciples did that Pentecost day weeks before. Philip wasn't done, however, as a new task was given directly by an angelic messenger from God. The angel told Philip to go to a specific road exiting Jerusalem that was in the desert. A rather odd task, given that Philip was just in the well-populated Samaria, where the gospel was going forth with such power and success. On this road he'd been called to, however, Philip met an Ethiopian who'd come to the temple to worship and was heading back to his home. Philip heard his reading of the prophet Isaiah and proceeded to explain to this Ethiopian the meaning of the passage and that all the scriptures pointed to Jesus. As soon as he did this, the Ethiopian believed and was baptized. The seeds had spread from Jerusalem by persecution and were now germinating in Samaria And soon in Ethiopia, word was spreading fast, but Saul would try to catch it before it got completely out of control. Saul saw what was going on with the church and how it was spreading fast beyond Jerusalem. And in his bloodthirsty zeal, he went to the high priest in Jerusalem. He asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. The high priest was glad to approve of Saul's request, and soon Saul was off to Damascus, over a hundred miles to the northeast of Jerusalem. But on the way there, Saul's life would change forever. It happened when Saul was traveling with several companions at about midday when the sun was up and hot over them. Suddenly, a light shone brighter than the sun all around them, and they fell to the ground in its light. Then a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with them stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Saul's world was shaken, abruptly turned upside down by the man whom he'd been persecuting for all this time. Jesus had made it clear. As Saul was rounding up the believers and condemning them to prison and death, He wasn't just against them. He was against Jesus. He was against who he now knew was the truth. Saul thought he was putting liars and blasphemers to death when his finger was pointed in the entirely wrong way. Jesus had said, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's heart was broken. Broken because he'd never been so wrong in his life. Nothing And no one could have done what happened on that road to Damascus, except for God. And yet it wasn't someone else that had happened to. It was Saul, the famous persecutor of the church. Saul was the one Jesus picked for his task. Saul, of all people. Saul surely thought about this considerably over the next three days. Why me? Why would Jesus call someone who hated him so much? Why, after all that Saul had done against his church? Later in his life, Saul would reflect on this event and say this to a younger minister of the faith. "'I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent.' as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Saul would later conclude it was for patience. It was God showing his long-suffering quality to those against him who would eventually be for him. Saul reasoned that if he could be saved by Jesus, anyone could be saved by Jesus. If the foremost of sinners who had killed members of the church of Jesus could be saved, then anyone no matter what they had done, could also be saved. There in Damascus, Saul sat for three days with blind eyes and a praying heart. It was three days that were the beginning of a new life for Saul that would have a completely altered direction, one given to him directly by Jesus. During those three days, surely Saul also thought about Stephen, that first martyr there in Jerusalem. Perhaps he thought about what Stephen prayed to God just before he died. He had said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Saul realized that that prayer was for him too. He realized that everything Stephen had said was true, and that the Sanhedrin really was like their rebellious fathers. At the end of those three transformative and prayerful days, God sent a believer named Ananias to Saul and the man baptized him in water and confirmed the mission that Jesus had given to him. Saul was to go among the Gentiles, among the nations, and share the gospel. He was to spread this message to those who had never heard of Messiah, who had never seen the temple, and who had rejected the true God since the beginning. Saul was going to spread the good news and he was going to suffer. He would suffer like Jesus, because now he was a disciple. Saul would now follow the way, the way of the master. The persecuting Pharisee would now be the persecuted disciple. The murderous aggressor would now preach reconciliation between God and man. And soon, the Jews in Damascus would turn their bloodlust on the one they formerly followed. Saul would be the new target. Join us next time as the gospel to the Jews becomes the gospel to the nations also. The church is going global. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.